0: Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series, from current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us.
1: Welcome to the Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, executive pastor at Conduit Church along with our lead pastor Darren Tyler. And for those that may not be aware they're listening, you know you can watch this podcast. Yeah. It's those that are watching the podcast, I'm sure you already know that you can listen. But we've added another layer to our podcast that is now uh, a uh, a visual version. Of our podcast, it's a video podcast that's on our YouTube channel. It just gives us another option to um, to get some clips, perhaps, uh, into the the world of social media. Um, some of the things that we may talk about are topics or. Um, Hopefully, maybe some meaningful things that we say uh, that we can get out there in just another format, another way, and that's something that we've we've launched. We've been testing over the past few weeks. You may have noticed some different iterations of this, but we are often running A special thanks to our our producers, Mr. Micah, Mr. Caleb for making it happen and uh, behind the scenes. so thank you guys. But yeah, wanted to welcome everybody that's watching yeah. and those that maybe are listening
0: maybe check it out as well on um, do you? Do you consume podcasts on YouTube Interesting thought here. Yeah. Um, d- I've been shocked by how many people that is their primary source of YouTube. Yeah. so do you guys thank you uh, this this is for you by default, no, yeah, but i'm i've I've started
1: noticing so Spotify also well Spotify specifically has a newer option to where you can upload a video along with your audio and so you can okay. watch it. Look, a la Joe Rogan. Was gonna, yeah, we call that the Joe Rogan. Yeah. The Joe Rogan experiments experience. <laughs> experience, which has turned into an experiment. Yeah. Um and so now other podcasts are doing that. And so um so uh, there's been a se- there's been several times in the past couple weeks where there's been um, a couple podcasts that I was really interested in that had a a uh, a video version as well, yeah. and I found myself kind of turning to watch it. Interesting as well. Just I don't know if it's about the mannerisms or the or um, you know yeah facial expressions or, or something that felt a little more meaningful. I don't know. I don't
0: know how that will translate with our podcast, but I don't either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just so I've only consumed. I mean, I started doing podcasts. Nobody will probably be surprised at this. Like when they were brand new, like. Early adopter. Early adopter. But it was because Radiolab, uh, which was an NPR, This American Life, before they went full, full woke. Uh, but they were, it was a NPR thing. And they were on podcasts right when I got my, I think I was still on a Blackberry here, actually. But anyway, but the thing about YouTube that throws me off is you can't, listen at like double speed i listened everything at 2.0 except uh jordan peterson and chuck missler who they talk in 2.0 so that you're actually at 4.0 <laughs> you have to <laughs> but slow it down but yeah whether it's audiobooks uh I, I i'm at 2.0 what do you listen at
1: no i i have no i'm, I'm listening just a regular speed 1.0 absolutely I, I, I don't know other anything other than that just you don't get bored no, Interesting. Anything faster than that, it feels, I, I get jittery. Like, uh, like, I feel like I have to match the speed. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, with whatever I'm doing or yeah. I just feel like I'm
0: just like spun up with it, you know? Well, I know like in the house, if I'm like doing dishes or whatever and listening to a podcast while I'm doing that, like, I'll do it in my AirPods because it actually stresses my wife out to hear somebody talking at 2.0 speed. Yeah it was trust me out she's uh, but i was like but it was weird we had a weird good marriage moment which like you know babe this is literally what it feels like in my head at any given moment just 2.0 speed just well here's br- the thing and i've i've mentioned this before perhaps
1: you have forgotten but you can speed youtube up now there's an option yeah you can speed it all the way up to 2.0 and you can slow it down all the way to quarter speed if you like is that only through the like the app on the phone oh i mean i'm i'm doesn't matter on the app yeah. on the desktop the, it's under your settings, but then you have video. to.
0: Yeah, see, even then though, which is would be a that is a huge win, but I I guess I consume most content like this while I'm doing something else. Yeah, I agree with that,
1: and I think most people listening right now are probably doing something else.
0: Yeah, they're driving, doing dishes, mom, walking, lawn, jogging. Walking, yeah, yeah. In fact, I that's how I've uh, with the, the rucksack thing for the last few months when I've been out there. I. I uh, I don't think I made this word up, but I call it bundling. Where there's something I like a book I really want to listen to, I will not let myself listen to it unless I've got the rucksack and I'm walking. Um, it's like a carrot <laughs> to, get, to get me out there. I know it's weird. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, that's that's. But that goes all the way back, man. I used to listen uh, to like talk radio before, like even before Limbo, like on AM, uh, like when I was exercising. And that was the thing about podcasts. Now you don't have to wait. I can. Yeah. I can whenever I want to. But when it comes to YouTube, if, if it's not about visual, you know, I guess I'll just stick with Spotify, which I still hate Spotify over even the Apple. That is so interesting. Out. We were having this conversation as a staff yesterday at lunch. You would be in the minority. I know. But do you ever have the thing where you're like forward winding through it and then it just starts to a new show or it glitches? No. It glitches all the time on me. I don't know. Maybe you need regularly. to regularly upgrade your. Uh, software or it's something. Been doing it for years. I just think <laughs> I that I, I I probably skip through stuff more than other people do. It's probably because it's set to 2.0 speed and it's just getting jacked up. Well, it could be that. I just know that it doesn't do that on the Apple one. <laughs> and so hey, I you got to use what works. It works That's what's me. working. It's November first, by the way. Um,
1: just want to call everyone's attention to that. It is we are we are ten months
0: through a twelve month year. I guess we need to get our uh, New Year's resolutions for 2023 on the on paper so we can get them done. Like Thanksgiving is three weeks away, our staff
1: Christmas party is five weeks away, Christmas itself is seven weeks from now. For those that are paying attention, you've got you're on the clock. You got seven weeks. 2024 is nine weeks from today. We are in a new year approaching fast, and so as we kind of look at this, you know, we look where we are on the calendar right now. And, you know, I, I'm curious, I think many people are curious, like, what, what does this world look like three months from now when we're sitting in January um, worldwide, globally? Yeah, it's a
0: wild... A lot happening. It, I, there's I, been a lot happening for a long time, yeah. but it's elevated. Yeah, things seem to be crescendoing, at least from my perception, in Middle East, Asia, you know, it, back home in our own political cycle. Not to mention next year's an election year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, so going into 2024, like, I don't know if anybody, you know, predictions, you know, that's like the weather, you know. Sure. Anybody can guess, but it does seem like it's going to be a wild ride in 2024. We should really be buckling down and keeping our heads on, It's not on... Fear, but just head on a swivel. Um, just for what's what's coming. Like just when you look at just the Middle East alone, you know, yeah, that conflict's been around for thousands of years. But just like a, you know, like a zit, eventually, you know, just because you've had it for a while doesn't mean it, you know, something's going to have to happen with it. I guess zit's not even the right word because a zit eventually will go away. This is more like you know a, a cancerous tumor that. It might have been in remission, but it was still there. Yeah. And just that alone, the moving parts, like the, yesterday, the, the Houthi rebels, right, who've been in Yemen, financed by Iran, you know, they, and they're like a, a militia terrorist group that they've declared war on Israel, you know. Out, out. Yeah, the, the Houthi
1: Brigadier General Ben Amir... That they are prepared to launch attacks on Israel targets, and I mean, he said it in his full uniform
0: with vigor, yeah, like angry. They've been very focused in Yemen again, hundred percent financed by Iran. So you could see, if if you're Iran's sock puppet, you know that's an excellent. But when at the end of the day, most of what. The houthi rebels have against the yemeni 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 <laughs> the yemeni government um is this ideal ideology inside of islam that is and I, there's an argument you made it's radical you know most people would you know say that the, the, you know that it's the extreme islam as we talked about with uh fwad last week it's technically just actually really really good islam like But point being, whether it's Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, um, all over East Africa, West Africa, there's different competing ideologies that are all about Islamic caliphate, Islamic theocracy ruling, which is what Iran did in the revolution in 1979 when the Ayatollah overthrew, was a radical uh, Islamic cleric just took over. And Iran went from a country where women were, you know, driving and wearing dresses and, you know, and overnight went to an Islamic caliphate where uh, women are treated as property and abused. And and that's the vision that they have for, not just, I don't know that people, a lot of people don't fully understand this. I would suggest most of the liberal progressive news media don't understand this. Iran wants Israel driven into the sea, but they want Islam to rule the world. It's not just a, uh, it's literally like what the, when people want to throw rocks at the, the crusaders and, and they should because many things happened in the name of crusaders that shouldn't have happened in the name of Christ. That's what the Ayatollah wants is an Islamic crusade, the Ottoman Empire, which Erdogan from Turkey again. He wants his version of it, but they're all, it's an Islamic version of ruling the world. That's the quest that, Overthrowing Israel would just be one step in a larger, wider-scale war. It, for those that may not know, you've used the word
1: theocracy a few times. I, I believe you pretty much just defined it, but could you yeah. give a, a, a simple definition of a theocracy and, and what that
0: means or implies from an, Is, an Islamic perspective? Yeah. Yeah, so theocracy, just theo, God, right? Uh government. So it's, it's a literally a religious government. So the idea that the separation uh, of church and state in our constitution was so that the state couldn't insert themselves into the church. Uh, not so much that the church couldn't ins- state into, in, insert into the government, but in Islam, like for instance, there's criminal in America, we've got criminal law, we get civil law, you know, th- there's certain things you could do that might be legal, but they t- technically cause somebody damage and go to, you know, th- there's different levels of, of that. But in, uh, a, in a court system like in Iran, it's all criminal and it's all ruled by Islamic principles, their thea Allah, theo uh, ruling. And so when you see, you know, women being uh, beaten because they weren't wearing their hijab properly or uh, men imprisoned for speaking up wrong. It's it's a it's a you know they're literally following the laws of the Quran to do that, and what they want is that oh, to be okay. a worldwide uh, situation. It's one of the things that like in our government, our our founding fathers. I mean, they came out of a uh, a British version of a theocracy where the the crown and the church were inseparable, and they s- saw that enough to say that that's a dangerous dead end for, for freedom for uh, them as Christians. And so coming here to America, they're like, we don't want the government. It's why I mean, it's why we didn't... When you come back to our our world, it, there is a separation with it. And if you remember when the PPP loans were, is it four Ps or three Ps? Three. It's not two. Or it's not a PPP, <laughs> but the PPP loan, which was the government, you know, when they were printing money, uh, we had an opportunity to take that here as a church. And I, I've, man, the elder meeting, I... I Confess that I was pretty scared in April and May of 2020. I didn't want to lay people off. I didn't want to, people lose their jobs. felt responsible. And I had people that I trusted very much saying, if you don't take this money, you're an idiot uh, from the government. Like, it's free money. Why wouldn't you take it? So, you know, we come into this elder meeting. And I remember you guys, uh, Mark and you, and like, were, oh, no, no. We, and, and I'm so thankful that you were so vocal about it because that's an example of like where a theocracy like if if i don't want the, the church being invaded by the government then why would i take their money into the church i don't i don't want any hooks in me from from a government and and the main reason is is that you know we want that freedom that they don't have in places like you know iran and so for an islamic caliphate we, we, so the original question what is a the theocracy think about isis circa 2014, 15, they were invading Iraq, Syria, parts of Lebanon, and they wanted to set up, in fact, the actual, we call it ISIS, but the actual, what they call it is ISIL, I, you know, which is for the Levant, which is a, a word that basically describes a, a territory that they wanted to control with Islamic law. And so when you see the, the, the grotesque stuff that we saw on the news of what happened in Afghanistan, another version of a caliphate, a theocracy, Islamic law. That, do you take it back to Hamas. That's what they've been doing in Gaza. People have made a lot of stink about what Israel has done to Gaza and have been silent on what Hamas has been doing in Gaza as far as oppressing people. I Did you see the interview with the guy that was the son of one of uh, Hamas's founders uh, with Pierce Morgan, I, I saw, saw a clip, it. but I didn't get a chance to listen okay. to it. He was from Gaza. His father is one of the founders of Hamas. And he was vehement that Hamas has to be destroyed. That he believes that when Hamas is rooted out, that there actually will be cheering in the streets from Palestinians because they've been oppressed as well with it. But that's the thing that's so just maddening. They want to turn this into a theocracy the entire Middle East, the entire world. So when you see queers for Palestine, it's, it, the, the amount of ignorance that that displays is borderline ought to be studied at universities, like with people with lab yeah. coats going, "Oh, do that again. That's really interesting. How, how could you be so stupid with that? Um, anyway, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm babbling about Hamas.
1: Well, a couple of things that have happened over this past week. Right now, there are roughly like the estimates are 12,000 personnel amongst US Navy and Marine Corps across 10 different ships are en route or have reached the Mediterranean. Yeah. That's that's a large amount. It's a big deal. And it's the, I believe I read it's the first time that we've had that many in the Mediterranean. Gosh, I think since the Gulf War which we're coming up on 30 years, 30, yeah, 30 years, 35
0: years. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that for a second. The, the footprint that our military is displaying and quite frankly, probably needs to display is to send a message to Hamas, to send a message to Hezbollah, to Iran, that we're here. Like, do Not go after our people and our interests. Because the one thing that our current president does not have going for him is none of those, they're none of them are afraid of him. The Ayatollah is right. not scared of him at all. Which is, I would think, what prompted October 7th to
1: begin with. Oh,
0: a hundred percent. If you, if I, I think it was 2018, maybe 19. When the Iranian version of uh, Colin Powell was sitting on a tarmac uh, in his plane in Iraq, and under the direction of President Trump, our they sent a drone and literally vaporized him? Gone. Yeah. And, and at that point, the you know the the liberal hand wringing uh, was, oh my gosh, he's starting World War III. He's gonna. And what they didn't appreciate was that. Whether you're the Ayatollah or Kim Jong Un or whatever, you know, for the first time, they've got somebody in the Oval Office that they think may just be crazy, and crazy enough that they don't want to poke the dragon too much. When you when you rule by fear, the only thing that will rule you back is more fear. And he, he, w- people say whatever they want about it. I mean, I remember thinking, well, that was a that was a bold move, <laughs> like to take out Colin Powell, you know, from Iran but it put in motion it basically a message to the world that whether he's crazy or whether you know crazy like a fox nobody knew but watch out because he's he will punch back and what we've seen here is a president that started under Obama has been now continued into the Biden administration is policies that are sympathetic to Islam but sympathetic to Ayatollah in a way where it's almost like Obama, again, brilliant mind, but so stupid because he's acting like the Ayatollah is thinking like a Muslim might, who lives next door to him in his neighborhood is thinking, but that's not how they're thinking. So, yeah. he, But he's negotiating with them in that way and sent billions of dollars to them over that era, which were then used and are continuing to be used to finance attacks on our own interests. It's a The stupidity of it is... is
1: well, to further the stupidity, the the gentleman that Obama put in charge to broker that deal is now, as of today, is now the U.S. ambassador to Israel. I mean— Can you believe—I mean— So the, the, the gentleman that, that helped broker the deal um, for the Iranian nuclear deal that happened that you mentioned, um, his name is Jack Lew, L-E-W— uh, the Senate confirmed his ambassadorship to Israel yesterday. Today is his first day. He has a history of being sympathetic to the Iranian regime, <laughs> and he is now representing the United States in Israel, which is just baffling. It's it's it is not a good move in my opinion. Did you listen to the Lex Friedman Jared Kushner interview by chance? I got through half of it. It's a long, it's three hours.
0: Yeah. And even at 2.0, <laughs> uh, I didn't make it, but the, the first half was, was pretty
1: meaty. It's yeah. Um, say what you want again about the Trump administration, about Kushner, but there's a lot of people on the left side that are actually looking back at what they did to provide peace and stability to the region in hindsight, in giving them credit for what they've done. And all of this is coming unwound,
0: unraveled in just a matter of a couple of years. The, uh, one of the things that was interesting that in that interview was that Kushner referenced the Jimmy Carter, uh, Anwar Sadat, Menachem Begin. Uh, it's, it's a book that I think you know, it's probably been out six or seven years called... 13 Days in September, which was actually a fascinating... It really is a fascinating read. It's written by, I think, Lawrence. I want to say Lawrence Wright, but if I'm right, it's like an MSNBC, so there's a definite narrative, right, with what he's doing. Um, But one of the things that Kushner referenced in that was the way that they got Sadat, who was president of Egypt, and Menachem Begin, who was, I think, prime minister of Israel in the same room was actually by uh, a mistake, like someone misunderstood and they got there. They, they thought we're coming here to make peace and everybody's like, wait, what are we doing here? Like, you know, um, but w- w- my point being though, was that book and I, I'd have to go back and reread it again. But if I remember right, that whole book was uh, based on this is what we're going to do to get peace. And when you look at it, they were like, they were literally ignoring the big issues just to get something on a piece of paper which is another way of saying they literally just kicked the can down the road. They never dealt with the, the issues of West Bank, of, uh, of Gaza. They just, they, they, the, at the end of the 13 days in September, the agreement they had on the table was at best sparse and noncommittal. And Kushner was using that, though, as like an example of what they were trying to do in, uh, in the Middle East. And I'm reading, I'm listening to that going, man, I don't know that I'd be bragging about that. Because, by the way, he also referenced the, the China-Taiwan uh, treaty back in 70, something like that. Again, not a great example, because you just kick the can down the road. If you don't deal with the actual issue mm. back to the cancer, it's going to come back up again. And so here it is. You know, I think we referenced that during uh, the interview with FWOD. But everybody, so it's Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan. Bill Clinton, George Bush, George Bush again, Obama, they've all banged their shins against peace in the Middle East because the issue that is non-negotiable for both sides is the existence of Israel. And it's like, how do you negotiate if the ideology is that you don't exist at all? Every land for peace deal that Israel offered land, and we're going to get peace, including Gaza, has blown up quite literally, in their face in the last, since 1948. And the question, when you talk about 2024, is what is Netanyahu's plan in Gaza? And how is the world going to respond when every day there's video coming out of the carnage of, of bombs dropping? Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, the lack of ability of holding two thoughts in your head at the same time, which is is... True, there's a tremendous suffering in Gaza right now. And who is responsible, Israel or Hamas? Because if they don't root out Hamas, the Israeli suffering, this is exact quote from that guy who was uh, the Hamas founder's son. If we don't deal with it now, Hamas it is only going to be more violent. Like at some point, you have to do the surgery. You have to take out the tumor, which is what appears to be what Netanyahu is doing right now. Yeah, I mean, the, the toothpaste is out of the tube. I mean, this is this
1: operation is full go. Um, I'm just nerdy enough to watch um, and, and read uh, all kinds of military operations and specs and details throughout the week. And what I've learned over this past few days is basically they, the surgery that they're doing is cutting the Gaza Strip in half from the north and the south. And there is a current insurgence that essentially, almost literally, um, they've walled off the Gaza Strip in half. So right now they are, if they've cut through the middle, and they are working their way from top down to that middle um, to,
0: to to overtake. Are they, no, so is the plan to do it in phases? Then, like, so we're going to cut it in half, take care of the top, and then move to the second half. That's, that's the way it appears. Yeah. And
1: it's it's very strategic, very surgical. It's to stick to the. To the, uh, to the analogy because that's the words they're using too. I mean, this is a very yeah. surgical, slow-moving operation. And it's, it looks like they're basically, they're cutting it in half, taking over the north side, and then whatever major ground offensive that there is will be towards the south, towards Egypt. And, you know, again, I read another article t- this morning how Egypt is pretty perturbed about how many... Um, how many people are fleeing or trying to flee, obviously, yeah. south? If you haven't looked at a map recently, Egypt is is due south of of Gaza and Israel. And people are trying to flee, and they're having—I mean, they're just getting overrun. And
0: Quite frankly— Are they letting <laughs> in refugees? Because Egypt has, historically, has been not remotely sympathetic.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, quite frankly, else. they're not happy about it, and they're— They're only letting in, what I read this morning is how they are letting in um, ambulances and and people that are injured or hurt and need medical treatment. But even that they were, they're not happy about. So they're being very strategic about everything. They also announced this morning, um, Jordan, the country of Jordan has recalled its ambassador to Israel, called him back out of there. You know, that's probably happened multiple times,
0: yeah. but... Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty short drive, honestly. <laughs> it's, <a> little, it's, <laughs> it's like he need like you to come couple, home. It's like about an hour and a half from uh, from Tel Aviv. He could do that in the weekend. There's all kinds of
1: moving parts. As 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 much as this news about Jack Lew, this new ambassador to Israel, is concerning, man, I, I love your insight and opinion on, and maybe what you know or don't know, about our new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. This guy, to me, he—I've never heard of the guy before. Came I, I've out never of either. nowhere, yeah, right? And it essentially, came out of nowhere. He is—he um, is a devout Christian. Yeah. Um, any interview, any interview you've seen of him over the past week, I mean, he does not shy away from his faith at all. Yeah. And uh, one of the interviews, and I forget which, which media company it was or what mainstream media news network it was, asked him, you know, tell us about your worldview. (laughs) And basically he said, you know, pick up a Bible and read through the Bible and you'll know what my worldview is. I I have a biblical worldview. And he listed off like immediately, like seven different things that will inform him on how he makes decisions that were
0: biblical. It's very interesting. I I was caught flat footed because I've, to be honest it's been so exhausting in congress lately that i I've, I've it's i can't f- keep up yeah and but when you start to see msnbc uh cnn writing hit pieces about somebody generally speaking the rule of thumb i have is then they must there must be something really good going on with this guy yeah and yeah when they call him radical uh, extreme, whatever those words. I'm like, oh, you're talking about me. <laughs> the, the, you might believe that the Bible is God's word, that you were considered right. extreme. And, w- and we've been saying that for decades, right? Like that, if, you know, back in the day, Katie Couric, if she thinks that you're crazy, you know, someone's crazy, it's probably because they're a Christian because they look at us. And I say they, you know, progressive legacy media personality for the most part. They look at people like us with a sense of kind of like a combination of pity and disgust. Uh, Because of of their anti-Christian bias. So all I've seen was hit pieces by uh, legacy media outlets, which made me think, this guy's probably somebody we'd really like. And then when you start to read or listen to his stuff, the guy that's literally third from the president. Now, keeping in mind, who, who was third from the president before, right? And now, like, you know. Yeah, it's pretty encouraging. I
1: mean, you talk about a swing, <laughs> yeah. like a pendulum swing from the 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 third of the house seat, which was Nancy Pelosi, Ugh. right? Yeah. All the things that we would not agree with yeah. to the other
0: side, which is all the things we probably, yeah. probably would agree with. When you think about it being Pelosi for as long as it, it was, and, and her just in general, for being as long as she's been. Uh, I, I just caught a, a glimpse of it, but uh, Rogan interviewed Musk, uh, I think, yesterday. I maybe? saw that. I haven't listened to it yet, but I saw it come through the feed. I haven't either, uh, but I, there was a clip. Somebody sent me the clip, and, and Musk made such a really solid point in that when he took over Twitter, what he was saying was that the, the ideologues of San Francisco... And Berkeley. And he even separated South San Francisco from, and Palo Alto from, actually, from San Francisco. And the point he was making was, you know, most of the technologists on his staff, you know, they might have been a little bit left, but they're mostly center. But the ideologues that were controlling policies inside of Twitter were all from San Francisco, from Berkeley, and he's like, you know, you walk through the parts of town where these Folks are ruling from and whatever, like it's the the these words where it's like a zombie apocalypse when you're want you're stepping over you know, homeless, drug drugged out and mentally uh, ill people. But his big point was so you've got basically this little ten mile swath of humanity who have the keys to the kingdom of the entire country. And he made some statement like you know if you're that far left. Everybody's right, you know. So, which is why he's been accused of being a right winger or a Rogan, who are not—they're not even close to conservatives, right? Pelosi's right in the middle of that, where she lives it's has lived for years. So, you know, third from the president before, where the, basically the the uh, a leader who was held all the same values that the former Twitter regime held of censorship of for our own good, we need to you know listen and obey the government, and uh, and. So the vast majority of the country isn't is far, far, far right of San Francisco of that. So to pull somebody in like this guy, like what's his name again? Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson. Yeah, such a just plain <laughs> name too. Like, that's Mike Johnson. Yeah. Uh, I'm encouraged by it. like, and I'm sure, I don't know. Maybe we'll get some emails of some you know whatever something he's done that I don't know about. But I was encouraged by that. Yeah, he's a congressman
1: from Shreveport. Or from Louisiana, graduated from LSU, um, and has is, is just kind of worked his way up. I'm still learning about him. T- if I'm being honest, I'm like I'm learning about this guy. Um, I would I would love to know more. All I do know is that he is bold about his faith, very bold. Like makes zero yeah uh, excuses or caveats or anything about his faith in in any interviews so far. Um, that in of itself.
0: Uh, is encouraging. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> has I, me paying attention. I, I thought so. Like, I you know, I, I, it's so I'm, I'm honestly a little embarrassed because I try to stay up to date on this stuff. What well, happened so fast? <laughs> like literally, no one heard of this
1: guy, <laughs> and it went back and forth between what's his name, Jim Jordan, and I forget the other guy. They were just fussing and fighting in the Congress for the past month. Accusations flying everywhere. No one leading the you know the house, and then boom, he's voted in, running the ship
0: with confidence, and he's everywhere. Interesting. Well, hopefully, when I was a little kid, someone told me that when you die, liar, if you're a liar, you go to Congress. <laughs> um, I, oh I, man, I, that's a bad joke. <laughs> it might have been my dad. It, might have been my, it was probably, probably my dad. He
1: just making stuff
0: up. Yeah. <laughs> Son, you don't want to lie, because if you, uh, when you die, you'll have to go to Congress. Oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, my dad, not a fan of Jimmy Carter and not a fan of Congress. I remember that very well. He did not much care for Jimmy Carter. Um, but it's, it is so gridlocked in our nation right now that if you have hope that you've put in government at all, I would suggest you moving that over uh, into the kingdom of God because— it could be a good New Year's resolution to, yeah. to be praying about for the next two months. <laughs> There's such a tension there, isn't there? Like, I want my government to function, and but I also don't want to put my ultimate hope in it. So it's like the the tension of like you know Rod Dreher's first book, the Benedict option, right? We're all, we're gonna, which I know he challenges. He told me that you know it's people who say that who haven't read the book. I'm like, well, I've read the book, and that's what I walked away with. Somewhere between the Benedict option, where we all go hide in the woods for a few hundred years till this blows over. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere between that and, I, you, you know, you got a grandbaby, man. I got, a, I, I got kids, you know, that hopefully, I, you know, my daughter's one pillow missed away from me being a grandfather, but she's been very, very regimented with it, so apparently I'm not going to be a granddad any soon. The generations to come, us just disconnecting from the process is not a good idea either. So I don't know the tension. I feel it. I feel it more than I've ever felt it. Yeah. You know, last week... Uh,
1: my wife and I got a chance to get away on vacation, which is always fun and much needed. Was this the
0: first time you guys ever did it without kids?
1: It was our first long form vacation without kids. Yes. Yeah. It was our first empty nest yeah. long trip. Yeah. Dream, I'm dreaming of the day, man. I, <laughs> I drug my 18
0: year old son around the Oregon coast. You like, did. hey dude, could you go, uh, could uh, dude, you go to go the grocery to store for about two <laughs> hours right now and pick something up? Mom and dad need to talk about their feelings. Uh, and, that's oh, right.
1: There you go. So. It was amazing. We went to Charleston, uh, South Carolina. Um, so many people have suggested going there. Wow. Um, because, well, two reasons. One, it's an absolutely beautiful city. But secondly, the people that have suggested it know that Jennifer and I are really big history nerds. Like we both, thankfully both of us, gosh, uh, love history. Otherwise, you know, my poor wife. <laughs> <laughs> but she loves it as much as I do. And so anyways, we got to... To, to go all over Charleston there's so much history there i've learned so much about that area and but one of the things that is in Charleston is the graves of a couple of the the the, the writers or the signers rather of the declaration of independence right rutledge um, pickney john rutledge is a big name if you didn't know who john rutledge was go go do some some history research on Rutledge. But just being there and and seeing a couple of places that George Washington stayed when he visited and Wild, isn't it? Uh, it was just oh, it was so cool. But man, there was a sense of I remember both of us kind of like there was just a sense of, I don't know, we were somber for a moment yeah. in reflecting what that would have been like, you know, three almost three hundred years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, to make that massive change, move from a- across the drink, as they say, across the Atlantic from from England over to this new found land. Setting up commerce, setting up community. You know, there's churches everywhere. It's like I forget what they said. It's like Charleston has the most churches per square mile of like any uh, any place in the, in America. Like historical churches because they came over for freedom, religious freedom, uh, government freedom, all those things in one little place. And it just kind of got us thinking about, man, like, what does this look like? It just feels like we're at a new 1776 type season of how do do we find that freedom again? Um, You know, across the world. But it was just interesting being there and seeing the history and, and, and reading about it and just being where they were. And um, it just
0: really, really brought home a lot of things. And when you think it, about it for you know the history of our nation, that was like Lincoln. That may, well, obviously, Civil War is less than 200 years ago. Yeah. Uh, we're, as a nation itself, we're less than 400 years old. When you're in a place like the... Middle East, like when the archaeologists in Israel, I, I, I asked about something and, and our guide said, Oh, that's only 400 years old. We don't exactly. Even, we don't have. But you're like at a civilization that's like 4,000 <laughs> years old. 400 years old, that's just something you buy at an antique shop. That's, like, that's right. not history to them. Not even that long ago. But the history of humanity in general. I, I, you know, when Lincoln was talking about, you know, re you know unifying our divided nation though, you know we've had many attempts at it but the history of humanity war is the default not the exception mm-hmm. thousands of years of humanity and i think the sooner we disabuse ourselves of the notion that romans one is not accurate that humans left to our own devices Without God, without Christ, will tumble into uh, to violence, and that's true of government. It's true of individual because individuals are who rule governments. And what I, of course, don't know is how this present situation. Because I think it was Lincoln that he, he referred to this experiment. No, it wasn't him. The experiment of what we're doing here. Like, this has never been tried before in right. human history, a republic. And should it survive, you know, this experiment? Right now, we're, well, let's say 400, let's, for round numbers, it's 400 years. It's more like three or something. But into this grand experiment, I, I don't know what it will look like in the future. But if history is our teacher, it's going to look different. And only by God's grace. And I I guess that's the thing that I know I've taken for granted is just how much of God's grace has been on our country to give us the, the government, at least we've had with it. Because again, thousands of years of human history, this is, this is the exception and not the rule. And, you know, if you put the biblical prophetic lens on it, there's no mention of the United States in biblical prophecy. I, I've heard a couple, I think Perry Stone, maybe not Perry Stone. I've heard a couple guys, and you have to really stretch it. Like, it's like a stretch Armstrong of Scripture. You know, maybe that's America. But the only question you would, should ask yourself is if every other nation, it seems like on earth, that, that was mentioned is still there, still exists, and still working, you know, towards, you know, everybody from Libya to Turkey. you know, Those are all nations mentioned in Scripture and prophetic. Why is the United States not now? Is it because we were defeated? Because we're nuked? Because who knows? Because we're bankrupt? That's very plausible. I mean, we're thirty trillion in. You know, the the monthly payment on that's a little high. But for whatever reason, we're not there. Uh, and it could very well be that whatever government we we see in these next few decades, the next few years, uh, is why. I I still do hold to a pre premillennial view, I, I still, I mean, I've gone, you know me, I've gone through every different version. I still believe that Jesus is returning to, to, ca- to catch away his bride. And that is very possible that that's why America is not mentioned in it because of the amount of what that would do to our nation. If, if that many Christians were to disappear off the face of the earth, that's possible. Truth is, we just don't know. Uh, what we can know is that for whatever reason, for this brief moment in history, God smiled on a country called America, and we have enjoyed the blessings of that smile, and I hope for our grandkids that we get to enjoy it for a long time to come. And if not, Jesus is still on the throne. And if not, our kids are still going to be, in a weird way, our kids might be actually better because, you know, the, the wealth and the entitlement that our nation has produced certainly has had a hard, it's done bad things to our kids.
1: You know the joke through through COVID
0: and then through all the, the
1: woke smoke stuff and everything of the past four years. My my little joke has been yeah I'm I'm pre, but every day that passes I'm closer to mid cause <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> are we there yeah
1: like, are we there yeah because it feels like it's getting closer. <laughs> um, you know when we did go to Charleston, we got a chance to visit a couple of uh, film sites. Of uh, my favorite movie in the world is The Patriot. I love that movie.
0: I need to watch it for again. so
1: many reasons. I love that movie, um, but they filmed it in in the Charleston area and a couple of places downtown Charleston. So I got to visit some movie
0: sites, which I was just nerding out. It was awesome. I should I should make it a, a point to watch that again. I haven't. I, I, I watched it when it very first came out, and that was the last time.
1: Well, that was twenty years ago, so you're due. And I would encourage anyone who hasn't watched it in a while to to pick it up. Uh, it's a fantastic film. Wow. There's so many great one-liners in there, and it's just called The Patriots. So it's just a great reminder of what they what they went through
0: um, to to create a new nation. It's wow. really cool. What did uh, did you get a chance to read? Netanyahu's op-ed piece in, in the Wall Street Journal. Read a l- I read a lot of it. I didn't get through all of it. I got interrupted. I, I don't know why I, th- I somehow connected that dot. Because what our nation, what I feel like our nation has needed is a very strong, forceful leader. Yeah, I was going to say what I did read, he was very firm Yeah, in his response. Yeah, unapologetic. You know, and I, th- there's an argument in fact, what's happening back home for him right now, the argument against him right now is that he, he made a huge mistake in that he, when they, when the 2007 thing unfolded, or 2006, uh in Gaza, when Hamas won and they set up the parameters and whatever border, that Netanyahu should have and of course everything anybody can monday morning quarterback this should have went in and routed hamas at that moment should not have uh, yeah in in their words propped him up you know in his words he's he's trying to broker peace he's got the pressure of the world whatever but this piece in the journal if anybody wonders what the goal of israel is right now it's to destroy hamas like it's there's no ceasefire there is only destruction. It would be like calling a ceasefire with the Taliban. Well, or oh, I guess technically we didn't see how that worked out. Uh, a ceasefire with Osama. There's no ceasefire. It's just he's just going to come back and shoot again. And that's Netanyahu at this point saying this is not just a fight against Hamas. This is, I think the title of it is a, uh, the, the global, Oh, that's the wrong op-ed piece, the, the, the war for the battle of civilization is what, mm-hmm. his, what he titled it. Yeah, which is big. That's a big phrase. Um and he makes some legitimate points that when you start to see these on the coming days, the news, the, the social media drumbeat of how cruel Israel is being, you know, keeping in mind, it's staying in downtown Nashville. So we stayed overnight after the refuge event. Shannon, I just oh, nice. snagged a hotel because I had to do a wedding the next day. and You know, was a long story. On the one hand, Gaza is only 10 miles long and three miles wide. Doesn't sound like much, but it's packed. Two million people in high-rises. And under all of these high-rises are tunnels. And there's literally no way. Like, Hamas is trying to draw them in to get, you know, more civilians killed. Like, they're literally trying to get civilians killed. It's part of their counter-strategy. Yeah. So when you see that, that's what the drumbeat is going to be from everybody from Shane Claiborne, um, you know, Andrew Cuomo. Actually, I don't know about Cuomo at this point, but uh, the, the the media, especially, is going to be drumming this up. Social media is going to be drumming it up, and we don't want to dismiss the innocence of the people that, especially the children. But it's not Israel's fault that Hamas is hiding behind him. There, there's a it's a terrible choice that, that they're having to make, and if Hamas would lay down their guns today. Every one of those kids that, had been, that are going to be killed would have survived if Hamas would have done it. And they're not going to because this is part of their, their goal, to draw Israel in. But more than that, to draw Iran in, to draw the other Islamic nations in to accomplish their ultimate goal, which is to destroy Israel itself. So Netanyahu isn't wrong when he says that it's not just the battle for Israel, it's the battle for the world. Because they're not going to stop at Israel. Not Hamas is not going to stop their ISIS- None of them. That is just the next step in the global goal of radical Islam.
1: Yeah. And it's on, it's on our doorstep. I mean, the, to see the American protests across the country in major cities in support of Hamas and Palestine is unbelievable. Thousands, tens of thousands of people um, parading almost every weekend now. um. In, again in major cities just uh, it's it's a, it's a little concerning um so so much so that actually the FBI director Christopher Ray uh, came out yesterday he he met with congress had a warning for congress that the basically the the terrorist attack threat level is quote unquote on a whole other level that they have not seen in previous years um Which uh, and and also stated the emergence of ISIS and anti-Semitism in the U.S. is
0: at historic levels here
1: in in the states.
0: In the states, in in big cities, it's demonic, man. I mean, it. I've said this. I've lost track of how many times I've said it. When you see a paradox, that's where God thrives. Did He choose me? Did I choose Him? Yes. That's a paradox. It's because God is so huge and so massive and so infinite. But when you see madness, that's always Satan. People cheering for a terrorist group that is beheading children, that's madness. People cheering, you know, the, the Queers for Palestine movement, right? The, the, I, I can't remember. I, I might have been Barry Wise saying, hey, I'd love, I actually would love, just as an experiment, for you to go to Palestine, uh with this protest and and, and report back how that how that goes for you but the madness is that islam in general condemns homosexuality as a crime not just a sin and the radical islamists like hamas even moderate islam like in saudi arabia for moderate whatever they'll throw you they'll throw you in jail they'll throw you off a building like it's so that's madness with it it's which madness is from the pit of hell it's it's you know a I think it's Thessalonians, I will give them a great delusion. Like, it's, it's, that's a biblical idea, that the delusion uh, is just madness, is, is what a delusion is. And watching these college campuses erupt with it, watching what's happening in the UK, uh, all over Europe, is Satan, you know, why do the heathen rage, right? Imagine a vain thing. Like, this, that's happening in, on Earth right now. And the question... I, maybe it's not for everybody but i t- the the question i have is is this the beginning of the fulfillment of ezekiel 38 mm-hmm. you know i will uh gog and, and magog and it it's it's iran and most commentators gog and magog would say that it's like iran and um and russia her ally and there's reasons for that but the idea in Ezekiel 38 is that it's actually reluctant, even. They're not wanting to go. Like he says, I will put a hook in your jaw, Gog and Meg, and drag you down into Israel uh, for this yeah. final battle. Um, and when you see what's happening now in Turkey and in Russia and Iran, and you cross reference, so you've got three different nations with three different goals. Um, I mean, in the same way that Ayatollah wants to spread Shiite Islam and, you know, that's Erdogan in Turkey wants to make the Ottoman Empire great again, right? Which is his, if it's Islam, you know, from, from their version. But the one thing they all agree on is that they hate Israel and that we can just get Israel out of the way. So is that what's happening? I, I don't know. Uh, it sure, it sure seems like it. For the first time in my lifetime... Three nations working in, not necessarily in concert yet, but keep your eye on Turkey, something Chuck Missler you know, was saying for 20 years before this. Keep your eye on Turkey, uh, and then keep your eye on, on Russia at this point. They're, they're a little preoccupied in Ukraine, but their relationship with Iran, with Syria, you know, their presence there is very important to them, not just, not just for the oil, for the oil, but not just for that.
1: And also keeping an eye on China. Did you see this week where they they China has removed Israel from its online maps? The name Israel. Like if you click yeah, it's you you can't find Israel on the map anymore. They removed it. So if you click on Jerusalem, it says Jerusalem, Palestine. Wow. That
0: happened this week. So okay, take the Elon Musk idea of that San Francisco was controlling most of the world through an online platform. Take that to China now. Because oh. it was just last week that Jon Stewart, who is, I mean, not even kind of a conservative, was not, did not re-up his deal, or let phrase it, Apple did not re-up his deal, fired him. And the, the talk and the chatter is, is it because his show was making China angry? <laughs> Wow. Um, Interesting. Which is, I mean, that's what, if, remember when John Cena apologizes? Oh, yeah. And, and f- first thing, you're like, wait, he speaks Chinese? Mandarin, yeah. What the heck? But their, their nation financially was so important to the WWE, to the film industry, whatever, that he has to, f- and, and, his, and his great crime was he referred to Taiwan as a country, and he had to literally make a public mea culpa because the power they have over Apple the power they have over Android phones, like all the technology, like they've got power over all of that. So they're controlling a narrative, oh, big time. So when they put, they take Israel off a map. It's,
1: all, it's off the map, off their, in the, all their global maps, all their digital global maps do not include Israel any longer. What do they, do they just have Palestine? Palestine. <laughs> they've renamed it. Yeah, they have. Also, China has is running a uh, military operation uh, this week, starting yesterday surrounding Taiwan. It's quote unquote, an exercise like the largest buildup of ships and planes,
0: um, around Taiwan. When Paul spoke or Paul, John, you know, in revelation prophesied about a a 200 million man army that would march Mm. from the East. um, at the time you wrote that, there may not have even been 200 million on the planet. Like, Oh, no way. For sure not enough for an army. And, you know, we've been at this for a while, but, you know, China's one-child policy created a nation that was disproportionately male and young and single and uh, an army that is massive. It would, it would take very little for them to, to muster a 200 million man army. It would be very easy to do. You know, the, But for years, you know, Bible prophecy, commentators, whatever, you know, and it is, you, you don't know when it's metaphor. You don't know when it's literal. You know, let me phrase it. You can know that. It's not, sometimes it's not immediately obvious, but they would always say, ah, 200 million. It's just, it's a, it's a metaphor. Uh, and, and then China started with the one-child policy. And next thing you know, even with the one-child policy, they got over a billion people and hundreds of millions of young men that are now single and without a mate. Uh, that's it's a what, real problem over there. Oh, yeah. And, and again, you know, with China, the, the, they've been doing it right under our, like the, the, the Silk Road initiative we've been talking about. They've literally been building a highway. Like, how do you get 200 million people across <laughs> Afghanistan, you know, Iran, you know, the, the Middle East, you know? Oh, India. I have an idea. Yeah. Across the highway they we'll, built. <laughs> just, we'll just drive. <laughs> like, they literally built the highway for Wow. Us. And economically invading East Africa, many of the countries that are, are mentioned in Bible prophecy, as far as the African side, have all got massive Chinese presence in it right now. As far as for for the minerals, for electric cars and batteries, and all those things that uh, they're invading without firing a shot.
1: There's there's just unending amounts of things to keep up with right now, and I know that it's uh, can be overwhelming. That's why that's why we try to do this, to be honest, like at least once a week if we can, uh, to try to give just a little information. Uh, about the news that you may not hear um, on network news um, or at least give some insight onto what's happening and try to make sense of some things. There's a lot of chaos that we just talked about. There's a lot of chaos and we want to try to bring clarity to the chaos. That's, that's the goal. And so, you know, between, between Wednesdays, when we record these, there's just so many things that happen that we don't get a chance to always catch up on. Um, Definitely a shout out and a thank you to Catherine Vanderbeek and yeah. um, Fouad Masri, who have given us some very specific um, insight into what's happening over there. And we, we've got a few others that we, we want to dial up as well. Um, but man, I just feel like between now, I feel like the next 12 months, especially heading into an election year, 12 months from now, we are going to be full, full bore election mode because November, right? First of November. Yeah. Like um, literally full bore. Like <laughs> And so there's gonna be so much more to pay attention to. The fact of the matter is, and we always try to remind all of us is uh you know prepare be prepared, not scared, right? And so part of that preparation is to um, you know, to listen and learn some things like we all are, but to be grounded in um be grounded in scripture, grounded in our faith, to make sure that we're spending as much, preferably more time in the Word than on socials, uh, than on uh, mainstream media. You know, watching Fox News or CNN or whatever it is you choose to watch. But truly, really spending time in the Word, um, in in fellowship with other believers, uh, prayer, praying for our leaders, praying for our country, in um, really keeping the main thing the main thing, and not get carried away. We're nerdy enough to pay attention to a lot of this on purpose because we want to know. We enjoy history. We enjoy the geopolitical scene, how it all ties together, uh, especially into eschatology. Like we're just nerdy enough to, to do a lot of these things. Um, and maybe our listeners, you know, they get the benefit of that, of, of, of some of our nerdiness <laughs> to bring that <laughs> to them. But uh, just just it's just a simple reminder um, for us to stay focused heading into this next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, in the biblical language for keeping your head on a swivel, right, is Luke 21, 8, 28, which I, I quoted a couple weeks ago, it's worth repeating, which is when you see these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. So when we say keep your head on a swivel, when we say keep your eyes open, you know, what we're really saying to look for is is Christ, for the return of Christ, for his Glorious and will be perfectly timed return, and you know, is it going to be this year? I don't know. It'd be great if it is, but uh, our only job is not to. We don't need to know when. We just need to just keep our eyes open and the thing about eyes open is that you you see the world and you can you can move clearly and and confidently because because you're you're watching. You're not you're not hiding and and pretending.
1: Thank you guys for listening thank you for watching. Um, we are so glad to be able to do this each week and just uh, so grateful that um, that you let us know that you're watching. So if you if you got any questions, if you have uh, maybe some insight to some of these topics as well, uh, maybe you have a prayer request, reach out to us, info at conduitchurch.com. Check out our website, conduitchurch.com. And then you know, we have so much happening on the mission field as well. So many different opportunities and some things that are, that are happening behind the scenes that we're going to be talking about here soon as uh, also conduitmission.org would love uh, for you to familiarize yourself with all the different things that we have in the mix. And we're excited to be here each and every week and we'll see you again next week.